0: the Lord Jesus in all the earth. It's already that way in the heavens. The angels sing His praises day and night night and day. And in the earth to a degree Bible teaches us that all in creation speaks of His glory. Praises Him. But he put inside of you and I the power and the responsibility to choose. He doesn't infringe on that at any point. You have the privilege to choose to serve him, you can walk away. You can live right all the days of your life, or you can live whatever way you see fit. God lets you have that in front you. It also means that we have to choose to praise Him. We have to choose to open up our mouths and sing His praises. We have to choose to lift up our hands and give Him glory. We have to choose to live all of our life, honor and worship and praise the Holy Name of Jesus Christ. There is no day, none. My
1: name Church of Jesus. We I don't think any of us even begin to fully
0: understand the power of contain in the name of Jesus. That no other day we have. no other name is given to us whereby we are to be saved. The greatest problem that we have. Can only be solved <laughs> by the name of Jesus.
1: Look at that, box, uh, so so thankful,
0: thankful for that blessed name. That wonderful, box. holy, mighty, and righteous name of Jesus. Right. Amen.
1: With the mystery uh, box, can we
0: see it. Then, Book of Acts, chapter 7. Last time we got. Um, we were going to begin the next last. Huh? Elements, course, this week, but the just felt led to go in a different direction. Just just for a little while, probably for, for four lessons on Wednesday nights. Acts chapter 7 is really kind of picking up at the end of what we were going through in the last series, but, but it, it will seem very different as we go through it. Acts chapter 7, verse 44, says our fathers have the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen. Which also our fathers that came after walked in with Jesus, that Jesus is referring to Joshua in the Old Testament, into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David, who found favor before God, and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of
1: Jacob, but Solomon built him a house. How then? the Most
0: High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, saith the prophet. Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? How can we take something that, that we make? How can we make a house and then fit God in it? How can we take the God who strong as the heavens and the earth as simply his footstool? How can we take that God and put him in a house? We make with our hands. Once we know the answer to that question, so just just for a little while, just for a few weeks, I want to I teach on unboxing Jesus. Jesus is not always what people expected it to be. Not always what they were expecting him to do. Would you lift up your hands and voices and worship the Lord with feet? God of heaven, we love you. Lord, we know that the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. Lord, that all of eternity is not enough time to fully understand you. God, you're beyond our ability. But Lord, we thank you for the revelation we have. Lord, we thank you for the understanding we have of who you are. And Lord, we pray that you make it even greater tonight for the power of your word in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of the Lord. And it, It goes without saying for anybody that has spent some time, certainly in the New Testament portion of your Bible, it goes without saying that that Jesus was not what the Jews were looking for. He was not what they were expecting for the saints' mentioned on, on Sunday evening, that, that they were looking for the Messiah. You know, they weren't like the world we're living in today, where it seems like everyone, despite the fact that everything imaginable that could happen to point towards the coming of the Lord is around us the world still is just blind to the fact that the Lord's coming too. And it wasn't that kind of environment. The scripture tells us that they were all in expectation. And all it took was a, was a, was a weird, dressing, you know, strange food eating, you know, ascetic prophet to come out of the wilderness and, and start preaching repentance for everybody to start wondering in their mind: hey, is this the God? Is this the one? Is he? The Messiah. They were anxiously looking for Jesus, and yet when he came, they missed him. He came into his old and his old knew him not. They missed him. But but why? Why how could they possibly have missed him? I mean it looks obvious to you and I. I mean we had the benefit of opening up our Bibles and, and reading the multitude of prophecy, but they did too they didn't have the New Testament but they had the Old they had the prophets, they had the writings, they had the Law of Moses. they had all of those things written down that described in all different manner, in all different ways what the coming of Messiah would be like, they were expecting him to come and yet they completely missed him when he did because of Jesus was not what they were
1: expecting.
0: And the truth of the matter is, very many times in life, God is not what we're expecting. He is not in our life at times what we are expecting God to be. And so that's what this series is about. This is a short series about a few things that God is not
1: God is God. I heard a preacher say one time, he said, I'm going to preach a message one day, the things the Holy Ghost don't fix. I would only wonder where he was going with that I think every pastor here preached on those people.
0: things. But there's things that at times we fall into the time. trap
1: of thinking that it
0: God is, or there's things that we think God is going to do, or there's a certain way in which God is going to do it. And then when he doesn't, we get thrown for a loop. We get our, our after car turned upside down and, and we don't really know quite what to do because it's not that God's not measured up to His Word because He is His Word. He's just not measured up to our, our flawed expectations. And that's exactly what happened to His people is they were not expecting what they got. I mean, one of the disciples said, can anything good come out of Nazareth?" Yep. Certainly that cannot be where this Messiah has come from. Certainly it cannot be this poor and lowly carpenter's son. Certainly it cannot be this man that's come out of the controversy of a mom that that they gave birth to him. But, But she wasn't married, but she conceived. I mean, this cannot be what we've been looking for. This cannot be what we've been expecting. So, you and I are the church. You and I are the church of the living God. And the church does not live behind the veil. We learned that before we ended that last series. We do not live behind the veil. We are to go out and preach the gospel. That is why we are here. We are to go out and preach Jesus.
1: And so just as we have
0: here in the scripture where it says that that Moses was told, build the church, build this after the pattern that I gave to you. And and that was the thing that he built, but then he turned everything around by saying, oh, my way, I don't fit inside a building. I don't fit inside a a a tent. I don't fit inside Solomon's temple. And so we come to the end of the series where we realize that the church is not inside that building, but, but what is the church? And if you really want to know what the church is supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to be living our lives, we need to know a little more about, about Jesus.
1: So go with me to the book of, of Matthew chapter 10,
0: and we'll dive right into this first instance of something that Jesus himself said that ain't me. Matthew, chapter 10,
1: verse 32. The Bible says, Whosoever therefore shall
0: confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. So just in case you thought you could be a secret Christian, just in case you thought you could be a Bible that ever actually happened to say Jesus is Lord... Well that should blow that out of the water right there. That's not what we can preach about tonight. Verse 34 says, Think not, don't think this about me. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace for the sword. I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be made of his own household. Now, I don't know about you, but even if you weren't, Anxiously awaiting the Messiah before, but you became a believer of the Messiah whenever he showed up on the scene and began to perform miracles. And you wouldn't have had to dig very, very far back in history to discover that when the Lord was born, the Lord Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but when, when that time had come, you all know the Christmas story, and there was a power of an angels. They began to sing, and they began to worship God. And what did they say? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth. You got it. Peace, goodwill, toward men. Before that day he was ever born, the prophet of old had already called him the Prince of Peace. So, you really wouldn't have been, you know, we're right, not talking about those, those that never showed up in Sunday school class, even he's all those in? that would have been attentive, all those that would have read their Bibles, and all those that would have been followers of Jesus, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, they've been expecting him to bring peace. It's exactly what the Jews wanted. Now, peace meant their enemies being dead, but nonetheless it is still peace. Even in the day in which I was listening to something the other day where it was talking about kind of the aftermath of the Taliban taking over and how they had taken over many years ago before we went to war, 20 years or so, and it said that the one thing the Taliban did was bring peace to Afghanistan. Now, that's because they, they killed the opposition. But they did stop fighting because they killed all the other guys. That's a force of peace. The war stopped. Now, that's exactly what the Jews were after. They wanted wrong God. <laughs> was like they terrible. wanted them out of their backyard. They wanted them <laughs> out of their city, out of their affairs, <laughs> and put them into all their business, go back to Italy where they came from, and leave us alone. Give us our kingdom back. Give us our land back. Give us everything back that God said belonged to us. They were expecting Messiah to come and bring peace. And yet the Lord himself shows up and says, hey, did this flash? I didn't come to bring peace. Now, I'm willing to bet that this probably it, through the disciples were alluded too, because this seems rather odd. I mean, I, by, by now, somebody in Mary had probably told them the story of they, You guys were there. But there was a choir of angels that sang this baby. They, they, people would have heard some of these stories. They would have known some of these things. And all of them would have been expecting him to bring peace. So what in the world is Jesus talking about? What does this mean? It's, it's ironic. And, and I, I told the man this yesterday. Um, I was at the Battle of the Cross Country Beach last night. And there was a guy that I was standing there talking to. There was a guy that we invited to church walking around a few years ago for the Presbyterian Festival. And he said, have we talked before it finally hit me who he was, and he started asking me about these scriptures. Well, he's right. I said, well, it's coincidence you asked me about the scriptures, because I was studying them just today. John chapter 14 and verse 25. We also have the Lord speaking here. We know the Lord never contradicts himself. He says in verse 25: These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, who the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world githers. Here's the key to the Bible study tonight. Not as... As the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When you are filled with the Holy Ghost, something
1: changes inside What do you it? Makes,
0: it makes all things new. And it puts something inside of you that wasn't there before. I It provides a far different experience and a far different definition of peace than what you were looking for. Many people went down to the altar, and the peace that they sought after was they wanted their marriage put back together, or they wanted their kids out of jail, or they wanted their bills paid, or they wanted their bodies healed, or whatever it might be. They wanted some peace in their life. They didn't really understand the peace of God. They just wanted help. They wanted peace by the world's standards. They wanted peace by this life's standards. But if they truly found God, they found something far different, and far deeper, and far greater than the peace this world has. Right. So how does the world define peace? Now, the Greek word in these two passages, they're both the same. So you're not going to get some revelatory thing from digging into the Greek. But you do find that this, you know, one word is translated in many different places. But depending on the context of the scriptures and how it's used, it has different meanings associated with it. And so, the peace that Jesus did not come to sin is the one that they're talking about in that first instance, of, where it means peace and harmony between individuals. That's the peace he said, and "I didn't come to do that. I didn't come to put peace and harmony between individuals." The peace that He did leave with us means that state of a soul assured of its salvation through Jesus Christ. That causes us not to fear and to be content with whatever state that we're in because of what God has put inside of us. So what, what does that mean in short? It means that He did not come to mend every human relationship. He came to mend his relationship with you.
1: That's right.
0: He came to make right his relationship with you.
1: Which is why some people with marital problems
0: get the Holy Ghost and then they're blown away when they go home and they still have marital problems. There's sometimes parents have kids that they really want to get the Holy Ghost or else they might let me see next week. And then when they get the Holy Ghost, they still find themselves in moments want to go take the child out that they brought into this world, and they don't understand why it seems it's that way. Why they're still at their wit's end with their children? I want you to hang on with me tonight because I want you to see what the Word of God wants us to see. I want us to dig into this a little bit. Genesis chapter one. Let's go back where human relationships started from. It's the way God created them. All are early in the the infancy of humanity. Genesis chapter one, verse twenty-seven. How did God make us? God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He him, male and female created He them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, "Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it." That means get married and have children. I made mean, two of you, I gave you the ability to replenish a multiply the earth, and you're the only people here, so go fill it up. Go start having children. And so if you go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 22, it says, And the real, the Lord God, takes the man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So I read those verses to say this. All of our human relationships were created by God. They were defined by God. God defined what a marriage is. God defined what a husband and wife do. God defined what a father and mother is and what their responsibilities are. By virtue of the fact that they were going to have children, that means that he defined what brothers and sisters were going to be. And because of the fact there was going to be a whole earth filled with people, it was going to define friendships and extended family and spiritual relationships. God created human relationships. We were made in his image, which is... You know, why we act the way we act. I know we're fallen by sin, but God made us in his own image. He made us to be with other people. All the introverts can grip us all they want. Still the truth. God made us to be with other people. Or else he love, looked all look down now and all by told and said it ain't good for man to be alone. It was always God's plan for there to be a, a, an earth full of people. And so All relationships, all human relationships were created by God. So what that means is this, very simply, if you've got the Holy Ghost and I've got the Holy Ghost, then we should have better human relationships. If
1: all people are created to be in His image, if if I make up my mind, I'm going to serve God,
0: and I do the best that I can to live my life according to his word and to be led by his spirit, that it should improve my human relationship. And if it doesn't, we need to go back to the prayer call. I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm not saying you're going to get mad at anybody. Never saying you're going to have a problem. But I'm telling you, if you're worse with people now than you were 20 years ago, you got some breaking. in it. Over time, we have to learn the attributes of God. We, We learn what the aspects of His Spirit are. Being filled with the Holy Ghost gives us the fruit of the Spirit, which gets rid of the works
1: of the flesh. And so if we are living in the Spirit and not
0: giving in to our flesh, then we are learning how to forgive. We are learning how to be patient. We are learning how to be kind. We are learning how to be good. We are learning how to be faithful. Yeah. All of those things should make your home life and your work life and your school life and your long life and every place that helps you go, it should make those things better. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you should be a better employee than you were when you were lost. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you should be a better husband or wife than you were when you were lost. When when your children get filled with the Holy Ghost, you should be more obedient to mom and dad than you were when you were lost. Because that's what the fruit of the Spirit produces. So, I didn't come to tell you that God doesn't care about human relationships. Because God created the family. God created the church. And He wants us to live as peaceably as we possibly can with all men, That is the will of God. So why is there a problem? And why is there some distinguishing here between what God is going to do and what God is not going to do? Because not everybody you are in relationship with feels the same way. You might have the fruit of the Spirit oozing out of your pores. So, you got some folks in your life. What's coming out of their pores ain't the fruit of the Spirit. And whatever kind of fruit it is, is rock. And it don't matter how much fruit of the Spirit you dump on their head, they're still rock. I'm not saying this to be pessimistic towards people and to be cynical towards people. I'm just telling you that it is a reality. Not everybody's going to choose to live the way you live. Not everybody's going to serve the God
1: that you serve. Not everybody's
0: going to walk the way that you're going to walk. Not all of your friends are going to be faithful to you. Not all of your family is patient and kind. Sometimes not all of us are. So God did not come to make every human relationship right because every human unfortunately is not going to follow God. He wants them to. He died for them all. He says all souls are mine. It is his will that none would be lost but that all would come to repentance. So that's why the church is here. That's why we've been called to not sit on pews, but to go out and be witnesses for Him, so that they could be saved, so that they could have peace with God, but not everybody is going to follow God. We'll talk about that more specifically next week in the Lord's Series. But this week, we need to see what God did come to do. What did he tell us to do? You see, you've got to remember something. If we've been walking through the tabernacle and and, and I don't know how long it's been, maybe a year or so. We we'll spent some time talking about the different sacrifices that were offered in the tabernacle. But there was more than one
1: sacrifice.
0: We most commonly think of the sin sacrifice because that's the one that had to be had to be given so that our sins could be taken away. But there was also a sacrifice for peace to have a right relationship with God. Well, Jesus works all of the sacrifices. Jesus fulfilled all of the law. And so when he fills you with the Holy Ghost, he gives you the ability to be at peace with him. So, so why mention this, Lord? Why, why tell us this? Matthew 10 34, I've already read it to you, but he says, Think not that I've come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but A sword. A sword. For I've come to set a man at variance against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and the daughter in law against her mother in law. It's interesting he doesn't say son in law against her mother in
1: law.
0: Maybe there are some things that even God can say. He said, I've, I've come to send a sword. What does a sword do? A sword has one purpose. It is to cut. Now we understand that primarily it's to cut until you die, because it is a weapon. But it is a cutting weapon. It is a really big knife. It is
1: designed to pierce a hole
0: inside of you somewhere, or to take somebody part off, or somehow in some other gruesome way in your life. It cuts. It is a cutting weapon. What does the word set in variance mean? It means
1: to cut into two parts. To cleave asunder or to sever. So the Lord said, I've not come to sit in peace, but I've come with a sword and I've come
0: to sever some things. I've come to separate some things. Some things that when I showed up were connected. Some things that when I showed up were knit together, but they don't work out that way for someone who's a child of God. And so I've come to cut some things. I've come to separate some things. Go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's get into some more familiar scriptures. We've all heard this one a hundred times. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 13. Now for recompense of the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with the Lion? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God, there's the house of God thing again, with idols. For you are the temple of the living God. Remember, anytime you read about the tabernacle, you'll see pretty quickly that the lines of separation get drawn real fast. There's the whole world, and then there's the camp of Israel. Then there's the camp of Israel, but then there's the outer courts. There's the outer courts, then there's the inner courts. And then there's the holy place, and then there's the holiest of holies. And the closer you get to God, the fewer living souls are there. God is constantly separating. He is constantly separating. And he says in verse verse 16, what agreement had the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore,
1: come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing,
0: and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. The call of God, you repenting of your sins, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, calls you to be separated unto God. It may not all happen overnight, but over the course of your life, you have to stop looking like Sounding like, acting like, living like, all the rest of the world that's around you. The world should not have to look hard to find us. The world should not have to wonder where the children of God are. And I'm telling you folks, they're not really wondering where the children of God are. Regardless of what might be said or what might not be said, They know those that truly have a commitment to their God. They may not understand their theology. They may not understand the gospel message that we need to preach to them. But they know you're a weirdo. They know you're different. They know you've got some kind of relationship with God that not everybody else is God. You wouldn't live the way you live. You wouldn't do the things that you do. You wouldn't try and stand out and be different. God has always separated. He's always separated. He separated us from every other creation. No, nothing else in the animal kingdom is like us. Mm-hmm. I don't care how many things they try to dig up and how many missing links they try to find, they never going to find them. Because there's a, there's a pretty big gap between us and the monkeys. God made us different than all the rest of creation. He separated male and female. If you're confused about this, please see me after church. I'll clear it up for you. Regardless of what this world tries to do, it's black and white. He separated male and female. He separated Noah from the world. There were people in the boat and everybody not in the boat. He separated Abraham's family from all the rest of the families of the world. And then he separated Israel from every other nation that's in the world.
1: And now he has
0: separated his church from the rest of the world as well. So, you're calling into the church. When you are called to be saved, when you are called out of darkness into his marvelous light, it makes every other human relationship submissive to the will of God. This is what we're getting at in Scripture. It said, I've come to set a man at variance against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and the daughter in law against his, her mother in law, and a man's foes shall be they of, they of his own household. This doesn't mean he calls us to go
1: and fight them, it doesn't mean that he calls us to go and be set against them. <coughs> it is absolutely
0: the opposite that is true. We are called to save them. We are called to be a witness for them. It does not mean that you're not supposed to have anything to do with them or that you're never going to speak to them again. But it does let you know something very important. It lets you know what the bigger ox is. What are you talking about? Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You're walking with Jesus now. He said, I'll be a father to him, and I'll be in them, and I'll walk with them. You're being led by the power of the Holy Ghost now, which means you can't go all the places they go anymore. You can't do all the things they do anymore because God has called you out of it. You're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. My dad, pastor, explained this concept to me many years ago when I was a kid because you know, we're a small church, and so historically, you know, you didn't have any friends if you only had friends in the church because there wasn't a handful of us. And so most all of us had friends that were in the world. And we should have friends that are in the world to, to a degree. That's what we're talking about tonight. All of you have friends that are in the world. Yes. But he taught me this lesson. He said that there's nothing wrong with this at all. As long as you're the one leading them. And they're not the one leading you. At the point that their pull is pulling you away from God, as opposed to your pull pulling them towards God, you got to get unhitched. You got to get unyoked because you're walking with Jesus. Your destination is heaven. And unfortunately, not everybody in this world is going to get with the program. Not everybody is going to follow God. This is what the Lord is talking about. He said it's going to get to the point that there are going to be people in a household that one is going to see the light. One's going to have the revelation. One's going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. One's going to be baptized in Jesus' name. But dad won't do it. mom and law won't do it. They don't see it. They don't want it. They don't like it. They don't want to walk that way. And in an instant, it's going to cause friction in those human relationships. It don't take long. Most of you all have experienced this before. You used to go to all the family get-togethers, and you acted like everybody else acted, and you ate and drank when everybody else ate and drank, but then you showed up to the one after you got saved. No, I'm sorry, I don't want that. No, I'm sorry, I don't do that. I'm just going to sit out on the porch for a while. I don't want to sit in here anymore. What's wrong with him? What's wrong with Sister Christy? He used to act like this. Oh, she just did better. No, I've never heard of that. The Lord says, this is going to happen. There's going to be division in a home. Not that God wants it. Not that it's his desire. He wants the whole house to be saved. He wants it to be like when Paul and Silas got out of prison and they ministered to the prison keeper and the whole house got baptized. That's the way it's supposed to work. But the message is, if it doesn't work that way, perhaps ever, but certainly if it doesn't work that way in a moment, and in an instant, you've got to keep following God. You've got to walk with Him. You are the temple of the living God and you cannot be unequally yoked together. You cannot let this world draw you back into the darkness that God has called you out of. Now let's look at an example. First Corinthians
1: chapter seven. This example probably gets controversial pretty quick. So, so
0: don't try to you know jump to this crazy stuff that we're not talking about tonight. Because anytime you start talking about marriage and divorce. And all that stuff. Uh, God didn't never want it to be that way, so it's not a surprise that it's an ugly thing. I'm not saying that to be mean to anybody. Anybody that's ever been through it will tell you it was an ugly thing. They would rather have not experienced what they had to experience. And so we read here in Scripture where this, this happens. First Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10, this is the Apostle Paul, right? And unto the Mary not the man, yet not I, but the Lord... Let not the wife depart from her husband. Now that's the way it's supposed to work. We're not supposed to, to split up. We're supposed to be one man, one woman, one life. But and if she depart, well, apparently it does happen, doesn't it? And let her remain unmarried or be reconciled with her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. Now this is interesting. So he starts out in verse 10. It says, that I, that this command that I've given you is not my command, but it's the Lord's command. When did the Lord command this? What the Lord said, from the very beginning, it was just supposed to be one man and one woman. He said, from the very beginning, this was the will of God. It was because of the hardness of your hearts that Moses created this whole notion of divorce to deal with the problems that were there with people that hated each other to such a degree that they were mistreating the each other. So Paul says the Lord commanded that the wife not leave her husband and the husband not leave his wife. That's the way it's supposed to work. But he says, but to the rest speak I, not the Lord, if any brother hath a wife that believeth not, if she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath a husband, that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. So he's talking about what Jesus said was going to happen. He said there are going to be family situations where
1: one person can saved and one person gets the revelation And the other person
0: doesn't. And so the Apostle Paul is dealing with this problem. He said, this is what I want you to do when this happens. When the wife believes and the husband does not, but the husband is pleased to dwell with her, let her stay. And the same thing for the husband. It says, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife was sanctified by the husband, else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. Now, the Scripture is not telling you that if, that if there's one saved person in the house that your children are forever saved. You know, your children have to repent of their sins to be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost just like you and I. It's also not saying that if you live right and you serve God and your spouse does not, that you living right makes them saved. That's not what it means either. It's talking about peace and unity in the home. And the blessing of God being on the home. That God is pleased with. God will bless a home when they make the effort to be together peacefully. When there is a believer there and an unbeliever there, but they are content to remain that way. Somebody and he goes on to say this. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart.
1: A brother or a sister
0: is not under bondage in such cases but God has called us to peace. So Paul just said, if you can stay together, stay together. Why? Because peace is always in the plan of God. Unity in the whole is always in the plan of God. The opportunity for that person to be led by a godly example is always in the will of God. But at the point that one of these people walks away from it all. He says, you can't follow me.
1: It's not it does not, not right. say,
0: hey, the one day they gonna be in their God's sake and make the grace, you know, pick them out the world. This is over. God said, I'm doing it. It's all that spread the news But it does tell us that at back. such a point in our human relationships, when that person is now walking away not just from God, because they, they weren't a believer already, but they're walking away from even this peaceful situation that you can't follow them. You can't follow them. There have been people, even in my short lifetime, that have saddled pews for a week in and a week out, and I tell you, they're nowhere even near the house of God today. And God poured conviction all over them when they were in the house of God but they would not budge because they were sitting beside a man or sitting beside a woman that wouldn't budge. Well, I can't go without them. Folks, you better go without them. Because if you know where they're going, you're going to be lost. God is not in the the, the home-wrecking business. God is not in breaking down families unnecessarily that you love Him. sin. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about was that was the place that I lived. That was the environment that I was in every day. And I wouldn't want to live in the same place where some of that stuff has happened. You know, there's plenty of places you, that you go temporarily that when things go south, hey, it's time to head in the house. We've all been in that situation before. We've all been to get together and celebrations <laughs> and whatever else. And we try to tolerate things for a while, but then the sun goes down and Everything else does too, and well, by time you go get some shy, time to get knocked hard go home. Well, you can't do that when it's your house because you're living there. And so the time came when, well, I, I had to put me some space Beauty between me and, and some folks that were my friends because I, I wanted to keep my friends. And that was sure. the only way that would happen. Is if I put that space there in any of our human Beauty relationships Beauty at Beauty such Beauty. point that that pull starts to draw us away from God. A sword
1: has got to come out. I like this
0: one. I love you, and I'm praying for you, and I'm asking for you, but I ain't going with you. I don't. I know you don't want to go to church tonight, but I'm going to church tonight. I know you don't like that I'm dressing this way, but I'm dressing this way because God wants me to dress this way. I know you want me to go down there, but I don't go down there anymore. The sword has to come out. God said, I've called you to be my child. And I've called you to let me be your God. And for you to be my people and my temple doesn't have idols in it. And so the Apostle Paul says, if it unfortunately gets to that point, the Lord has to win. The Lord has to win. God is our peace. He puts peace in our hearts. He puts peace in our minds. He puts peace at times in our homes and in our jobs. But there are going to be places that the effect of you living for God is not peace in that situation. There's going to be times that you are going to bask in the favor of all those folks that are around you. It just happens sometimes. They just think the world of you. You are the sweetest and kindest, and and, and there's just something different about you. And and they they just want well, some of y'all laughing like twenty ever said that. About you before. That's been weird.
1: There's gonna be sometimes you will have some,
0: some what seems to be divine favor on your life because you're serving Likewise. God. There's nothing wrong with that. There's times God does that. The Bible says that He'll make even your enemies to be at peace with you. Yeah. That is just, in fact, what my God does. But I'm going to tell you, at the same time, there are going to be those. They're never going to think it's a great, wonderful thing that you serve They're never going to think it's a, I'm just so proud of you for standing up for what you believe in. That's never coming out of their mouth. You have to realize that. There are going to be some plans, relationships
1: that, that stay even though you may take them on certain levels in your
0: life, there are lines of need Because
1: you can't be drawn away from way. When it's time for church, you've got to be in the
0: house of God. When it's, it's to church, time to go where your prayer calls it, you got to crack open that door and go in and close it behind you. When it's time to spend some time in the Word, you've got to spend some time in the Word, regardless of how loud the TV is or how loud the music is or, or whatever it may be. You do what you have got to do, but you're serving God. You're living for God, and God has called you out. Of
1: darkness. God. John chapter sixteen. Any review
0: online will tell you that they're not the Interesting that the Lord puts this this way. He says these things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They're good. what does he say? They shall put you out of the synagogues. crazy because the church they'll put you out. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the because called It's going to be glorious, one more day. Because it's AirPods, because it's, it's popular. It like everything in your lives right. and
1: pay for this it's because it's popular because it works good.
0: Can't they work There's going to be some days that the Holy
1: Ghost
0: because they, they have seen through my because the Lord said not everybody loves them.
1: We're getting paid to wear them.
0: Not everybody so, loves them. Mm-hmm. At the end of that chapter, he says in verse 33, these things I have spoken unto you that earned that You buy heavies.
1: You you send me your one review that says the best. I'll send you twenty in the world.
0: You shall have tribulation. be you. I have overcome What does God do for us? God can come into you in such a way that your newfound faith in Jesus Christ has now sent your whole family and all your co-workers and all your friends against you. Yeah, he gives you peace. God can do in you such a thing that when they hate you, and they despise you and they speak evil of you, but you won't hold a grudge, you won't be bitter, but you'll get down on your knees and you pray for them. God let them know you like I do. That's what God came to do. Jesus came to mend His relationship with all of humanity. He came to make peace between God and man again. God puts peace in you that passes all understanding. And even when it seems like what you thought God was going to do out
1: there, when all your problems are going to go away, Everything was just going to run smoothly.
0: We're going to have the issues at work anymore. and We're going to have the issues at home anymore. And your kids are never going to back talk you. And your boss is never going to give you a hard time.
1: When you got there on Monday morning and all that
0: stuff started pouring in. We're like, Lord, this is not what I thought was going to happen. No, that's not really what he came to do. He came, in the midst of all of that, in this world that we still have to live in, that we have tribulation in, in the midst of all that tribulation, you can have peace. You can have something on the inside that just doesn't make any sense. But you know that God's with you. You're not afraid because you've got confidence in Him. You're not worried because you know God's got it all in His hand and all under His control. That's what God came to do. That's what the peace that Jesus gives to us. Would you stand to your feet? You want to come down to the altar and pray? Come find your place and pray. If you want to pray louder, you are? Just lift your hands towards heaven. Oh, let's seek the peace of the Lord tonight. Oh, let's seek the peace that only comes in Jesus Christ. Oh, be filled up with
1: the Holy Ghost. Go down to the altar, go down to the altar so they don't think we